We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What if Santa didn't need eight reindeer to guide him through the night? Hey, Mercedes, map me to Kalamazoo. Okay, mapping the fastest route to Michigan. Or what if his sleigh could get real-time weather info? Hey, Mercedes, what's the temperature on the 25th? 22 degrees. Rooftops may be icy. Mercedes-Benz MBUX technology hasn't made it to flying sleighs, but it's available to you on the A-Class, the GLE, or GLC. And you can get them all for an exceptional price during the Mercedes-Benz winter event. MBUX Command Simulated. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Moon. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, bringing the hottest breaking stories from the Camp No, I'm Dan Hilton from the Barca blog team here in the U.S., and I'm joined across the ocean in the U.K. by Frances Tomas, as seen on ESPN and BarcaBlog.com, where you can see plenty of our work. You can also follow our show with the show notes at tvpod.link backslash 35. That is, again, tvpod.link backslash 35. Frances, we have a lot of fun things to talk about today, don't we? In episode 35 of the Barcelona podcast, we're going to talk about Messi and his fantastic performance um, against Eibar in the previous game. Then there is a Brazilian that we didn't really think was going to make the headlines, but he is. That is Paulinho. And we're going to analyze his performance in this game and the previous and what the future may bring for him. Then we're going to move on to look at the rest of the team and, you know, the current state of, of affairs of the Camp Nou, Valverde's decision... And then finally, we're going to move on and talk about the political situation in Catalonia. And we'll touch on the vote of no confidence and a little bit of Dembele as well, which, you know, we miss you, man. The Barcelona podcast starts right here. And we'll start with the review of the Ibar game. A 6-1 win for Barcelona. 61 possession, 
They were outshot 13-11, to 11, yet really dominated things. Ibar's shots weren't on goal. That was the big striking point there. Four goals from Lionel Messi, of course. One on the header from Paulinho on the corner kick from Denis Suarez. And then one goal came from Denis Suarez on a rebound from a shot taken by Messi in the middle. Frances, before we get too far into our deep dive, because even though it's a 6-1 win for Barcelona, there's a lot of little things to talk about here that we're going to have some fun breaking down. But before that... You would like to give your five-star players of the game? Yeah, let's do that. I think the main player of the game, I think, is quite obvious and everyone is fully aware of who that little person is. But let's start with the one star. I would say the first star of the show is going to go for Denis Suarez. He has been really good lately. And against Eibar, he really stepped it up. He was the game changer. He's the one that in sort of put energy within the game in order to move things forward. He was assisting... Uh, from the corner for Paulinho's header and then he added Barca's third with a very confident finish. I really think that Dennis has in a way matured. He's got a long way to go but still he was one of the best news of, of the game without without a shadow of a doubt. A second star, so two stars, goes to um, one of my favorites, uh, Marc-André Stegen. Um, I'm always sort of down for highlighting the work of those who people sort of take for granted. And I would say Ter Stegen definitely falls in that category. He was alert from the initial whistle. He made a couple of saves that were decisive, particularly the during the first half, there was a really tricky one-on-one. And then he basically excelled and, and enabled um, the thrashing of Ava that eventually happened. I think that Without Ter Stegen, we will be talking in this podcast much more about who could, who should play. Is it Claudio Bravo? Is it Ter Stegen? Is it whoever it is? Uh, that debate is for once in Barca's history, and to be honest, pretty much for the first time in my lifetime, um, pretty much settled, and it is clear who the number one is. So great, great performance from Ter Stegen once again. So with the third star, three stars go to the one and only Paulinho. He um, obviously has had a lot of controversy uh, within his signing. His time in Barcelona has been tough, to say the least. But he has played three bits, you know, just two two games and not very long at all. Obviously, getting his first ever start for Barca uh, in, the against, in the game against Eibar. So with two games played, he's had two shots on target and he scored two goals. And, um, you know, the Camp Nou is always really critical and in a way reticent to actually get new players and, and getting to like them. But from the, his first ever Camino game, Paulinho has been cheered. And um, that hasn't happened to too many people throughout Barca history, to be honest. Um, Paulinho was instrumental. He created Dennis's goal. He assisted Messi with a really clever one-two, which may be a sign of things to come. And he really was much better than... I would say myself and a lot of people out there would have ever dreamt of. And while Paulinho is a new signing, Denis Suarez feels a little bit as if he was a new signing to me. I mean, he was your, your, your first star. And I think while this season we've seen him on the wing and we've seen him in the middle of the field, I think he does better in the middle of the field. He's played really well on the wing. He knows exactly what his job is. And while these two have played really well against Hadafe and Ibar, the next question then is going to be, can they deliver against the bigger teams, both in La Liga and the Champions League? Because clearly Paulinho, as you can see, was exactly the type of midfielder that Valverde needed 
And while he doesn't have that tidy passing of a prototypical Barcelona midfielder, even Pep Guardiola and his relationship with Sadu Keita coming off the bench in the way that he did and the, the scant starts that he had, these types of players are really necessary. And while Keita plays a little bit farther back, and I think another comparison would be Yaga Torre, but while Yaga Torre was at Barcelona, he played more defensive than Paulinho. Paulinho was basically the type of player that Yaga Torre played for Man City after he left Barcelona, playing that more marauding, attacking role in a much more vertical sense. And that's why Paulinho, while he did get the start, and again, he's not necessarily super tidy on the ball, Busquets has to still step up and do those defensive things that Paulinho's not. Paulinho's tackles, when he does get into tackles, they have grit, they have just that extra layer of something bite that other Barcelona players like Iniesta just don't have in the midfield. And so he had so many different things to the team that Valverde knew that he would add and wanted. And so that's why the big winner so far for this whole season has to be the manager. And that in his first year, he picked a player that he clearly wanted and the board had backed them. And so we're going to talk about the board later, but Paulinho has just been that kind of revelation. That's been an important thing. But the one thing, Frances, that people are wondering is about that relationship in the midfield between the two center midfielders and that Iniesta and Paulinho weren't really connecting that much. No, I think Paulinho is one of the least Barca players that have ever played for Barca. Um, Xavi and a lot of people in Catalonia, but definitely Xavi Hernandez is, is in a way the one way with the flank for this that I'm going to say now. He always talks about Barca DNA this, Barca DNA that. Well, I don't think Paulinho has <laughs> any of that whatsoever. Um, he is the opposite of what a Barca midfielder really should be. He is all about strength. He's all about running. He's all about being imposing. He's all about playing simple yet effectively. He's obviously determined uh, whenever's needed. He's always zooming past um, anyone that he can in order to, to get forward. Um, it is clear that his relationship with Messi has been growing over the over the weeks that he has been here. Um, I think a little bit of an aside, they've known each other for years, if you if you think about it. Messi, Suarez, uh, obviously Neymar when he was with us, and Paulinho, they, they're in the South American qualifiers. They have been there for many, many decades uh, even. So it is clear that they've known each other for a long time. They know about each other's skills and... To be honest, the large majority of Catalan fans and public didn't necessarily know about Paulinho that much. Um, I mean, I mean, I for one, I knew that when he was at Tottenham, he was not very good at all. Then I knew that he moved on to China, and you know, the level of the Chinese league is not something to be throwing you know fireworks about. But you know, he seems to have come back. He has tried his best from the very beginning. He's kept his head down. Um, he's been working with Messi and Suarez and the rest of his teammates, but particularly those two, in order to explain tactics, in order to accelerate his adaptation to the team. Um, in a way, he's even moving close to Messi and Suarez with his family in the coming weeks. So it is important that he's building that relationship. And obviously, if Suarez and Messi both sort of adopt you as one of their own, you're going to have a much, much bigger chance uh, to succeed at the Camp no. He's got a little more skill than I think we give him credit for as well. On that third goal, the dummy that he played that went straight through was a, a thing of a thing of wonder, right? Yeah, it was. It was. Um, um, it's not something that you would normally see in a Barca game. You know, someone like, say, Xavi or Iniesta may, 
and this depends on the situation, but may have stopped the ball and looked for an outlet on the left. Uh, maybe Semedo was sort of uh, running towards the byline, but in that situation, that's what Paulinho instinctively decided to do, and it was definitely, definitely the right choice. Um, you know, his game against Eibar, he's got one goal, one assist. He was slowly but surely getting better. He was more than a valid play for Barca. Valverde can definitely, definitely trust him. And I think Rakitic, given the the progression that Paulinho has shown, um, is going to have to work hard to keep his starting spot. And to go back to the point about Paulinho not fitting that DNA, instead of seeing the two center midfields, as you had talked about, continuing to stop the ball and moving the ball horizontally, because he's such a vertical player, you we even retweeted again on the Barcelona podcast Twitter account, the same formation with Messi as at false nine that Barcelona are continuing to play under Valverde. And we did, we wondered for the, the months leading up to the season, what kind of blueprint and what kind of lineup would he put out there? And while over the course of a season, a long season, things have to be changed, players lose form and gain form, and things have to be switched up depending on the opponent. But by and large, game in and game out, you're seeing exactly how Valverde wants Barcelona to play. And until the rest of the teams in the league and Champions League can figure them out and figure out this new Barcelona system, Barcelona are just miles ahead right now this month of the teams that they're playing against. And I think the important pieces, I've heard some criticism from Kool-Aid, both on, on, on Twitter and it, it was even on the radio too, about that lack of a connection between Iniesta and Paulinho in this case, and even when it's Iniesta and Rakitic. Because as we had mentioned on, on last week's show, Iniesta is pushing farther out to the left and working more with that left back, whether it was Lucas Dinier in the last game or Jordi Alba. And then on the right side, whether it's Paulinho or Rakitic, they're working with Nelson Semedo or it was Sergi Roberto as well we've seen this season. And then you have Messi though as that false nine, offensively being deeper than we're used to having him. And so that transition we thought of Messi from the wing to the middle has already happened. And it happened instantly at the start of the season. And Messi is serving not as that third center midfielder, but he's farther up the field as a false nine, but he's that connecting piece between the two midfielders. So you don't see a lot of direct lines between the two, but you see him as that third eye right at the top of that triangle between those two midfielders. And so Barcelona, until the other teams start to cut out those passing lanes, this is the way that they're going to play under Valverde. And that's why I continue to give him plaudits in the same way that we have a clear understanding of how he wants to play in terms of having versatile players like Sergi Roberto and Denis Suarez who are splitting time where Roberto's played at both midfield and right back, Suarez on the wing and in the midfield. Yet when they're on the field and going in for a certain role, they know exactly where that positional role is. And so as I said, it's going to be all about what happens when other teams can figure them out a little bit. Yeah, it is. And also I think the fact that Valverde has many choices now um, also plays plays a factor in there. Um, Obviously, Barca has traditionally played with a 4-3-3, but it is clear that Valverde is experimenting with that. Like at some stages of uh, of the Eibar game, particularly at the start, it was a 4-2-3-1 with Messi being sort of the lone four striker. But then things things change, you know. And and I think at the Camp Nou and Cat- in Catalonia, we are sort of getting used to the fact that you know the Pep Guardiola era is a little bit far away now, and. Right now, the modern game, based on the players we've got, based on the moment the club is at, based on who's managing the team even, and the fact that we had Luis Enrique before Valverde got to us, there may be a, um, a more leadway 
in order to change that and, and think people are a little bit more receptive um, to, to accept a change to that. Um, obviously, Paulinho had a great game and this I want to sort of throw a bit of caution in there. It's only two games. Um, he scored two goals and, you know, it's Getafe and Eibar. We're not playing against, say, Real Madrid and Bayern Munich and Manchester City. So we need to be cautious. But, you know, the early signs are encouraging. I'm still not 100% that he's perfect for us, but maybe that is the very same reason why he's actually a valid player for us because he's got things that the vast majority of our players in the squad don't have. So maybe that's why uh, Valverde was chasing him so desperately. He's not playing very fluidly with Iniesta, but maybe that's not what he needs to do. So Frances, speaking of players who have exactly what Barcelona need and you expect Barcelona to have, who are your top two star getters or four stars and five stars? And I think I, I can guess who these two are. Yeah, I think you can because you probably went to barcablog.com and read the quick reaction that I posted after the game, right? Well, Frances, of course I read it on barcablog.com immediately following the game. Again, that's barcablog.com. And we were able to fit in a nice little shameless plug here before we gave our four stars. Yeah, let's do that. So our four stars are for Nelsinho Semedo. He continues to grow, you know, and, and I'm really, really pleased that in a way we keep saying the same thing. Um, every single game. Um, Nelson Semedo has been, in my eyes, the best signing of the season. Obviously, Dembele, as we spoke at length in our previous podcast, um, is going to be away for much longer than any of us ever wanted. But going back to our Portuguese international, he's been great. Um, 9% of people in a Twitter poll voted for him. And, you know, you would say 9% is not a lot. But, you know, obviously... I think the five-star getter is quite quite obvious, and I'll, I'll go into that in a minute. But going back to Semedo, he was really physical. He showed a lot of courage. He was constantly zooming down. He had so much energy. He was uh, fresh. It's what the team needed, you know. He's sort of revitalizing the whole left flank, sorry, right flank. And whenever he's playing, either Rakitic or Palinho or whoever it is that plays in front of him can actually worry about other business because their backs are definitely covered. He was much more eager to get involved. He was always sort of looking for an outlet. He was asking for the ball the whole time. I'm really, really impressed with Semedo so far. He obviously earned the penalty that gave us the opening goal. Um, you could say that it was a controversial penalty to be awarded. I'd rather say that he was really astute and really physical and speedy to get his body in the precise, exact place he needed to put it in. And um, he obviously used his skill, his experience and his body to the team's advantage. So with five stars, let's do a drum roll. Five stars. Is that a good sound? Oh, it sounds great. Uh, but I mean, we talked about last week, we need to come up with new adjectives and sounds to describe Lionel Messi. So... I, we're just going to have to make do. Yeah, all right. I'm not going to do it again because I'm sure that uh, people that are listening to this podcast are, have got some sort of pain in their ears after that. So drum roll, insert sound here. Five-star getter is Lionel Messi. He got a perfect 10 out of 10 and 79% of our voters in our Twitter poll actually um, agreed that he was the man of the match. Um, incredible. You know, words just gave me. He proved once again he's the best player to ever play the game. No discussion. It's not even close. You know, don't mention Ronaldo. Don't mention anyone else to me. It really, there's no comparison. You know, obviously, um, the game against, against the game that Madrid played um, 
show that Ronaldo is is light years away from Messi. Obviously, he comes out of a five game um, sort of period away from 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 football, but still, he was outstanding. He scored four goals in a 10 p.m. kickoff. That he, you know, let's face it, at the beginning of the game, his teammates weren't really feeling at all. Um, he decides to step up. He's just out of this world. And as a culé that obviously I've been culé since birth because um, that's the, that's how it worked in my family. Um, I, I can only be eternally grateful for everything this little guy from Argentina is doing for our club. He just leaves the team to another dimension and he's just the best ever and the, be- the best that will ever be. You can put him anywhere you want as a false nine, as a winger, as an attacking midfielder. You know, I think if you put him in the burger stand, he will make the most delicious burger that ever were made. So this guy is just incredible. Um, no one can rival him. And I am just honoured to say that Lionel Andres Messi plays for my team. Well, you think that he's been playing for Barcelona for forever with how good he's been for such a long time. And the answer is actually he has been playing for Barcelona for a very long time now at this point in terms of a soccer career. With Carlos Puyol, who we knew was in the middle of the defense since the last millennium, Messi is very slowly, well, has very slowly, but is now right up to that number where Carlos Puyol had played 593 games for Barcelona and Messi now at 591. So that means basically if he plays against Girona, which he will, and against Sporting CP in the Champions League, which he will, he'll then get to 593, meaning that game against Las Palmas is going to be in October on the 1st, where he breaks the record of Puyol, leaving just Xavi Hernandez ahead of him. But we're going to have to take a little bit of time until he reaches Xavi's 767 total appearances for the club. Now, I don't want to be too negative, but with Messi, there always seems to be just one or two things to think about. And because he's so otherworldly right now, and for me, it's reminding me, as Arsatio had pointed out on Twitter as well to us in his question, this reminds me of the Messi in 2011 and 2012, where he was just putting up hat trick after hat trick, four goals, five goals in an instance, and so that's the kind of Messi that we're seeing right now where he is in the, the best form that he can be in, just knocking in goals at will. So the worry then comes into play that just like the 2011-2012 season, when Messi did kind of burn out later on in the year and had some difficulties in the Champions League, what's going to happen to Barcelona when they as a team have that inevitable dip, dip in form? Where Real Madrid is already doing us a favor, having theirs at the beginning of the season— and that's put Barcelona seven points in front. But once Barcelona has to play a tighter schedule, the Champions League matches get harder, Messi obviously can't keep up this pace all season long like he did in 2011-2012, but how Valverde, how Valverde decides to rotate and what he can figure out to keep him fresh is going to be the question of the season. It really is, and I don't really know if, if actually Valverde is going to manage to convince Messi in order to rotate. Obviously, he's the manager. He can just say, Leo, you're not playing today, and, and that's that. But um, I think with a player of that caliber and that importance, you really need to agree. You know, there needs to be a dialogue. And that's why I'm really pleased that Valverde is our coach because he really is someone who really enjoys talking to his players and it really feels like his decisions are consensuated so that everyone sort of has their say and then ultimately he's the decision maker and that's obviously why he gets paid so much money. So 
going back to the question from from a listener which we're really really thankful for i agree that it reminds me of the 2011 2012 season um but i don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing uh, messi was the center of that team messi has been made to be the the central focus point of this current team without dembele obviously we're not adding that dimension on the right wing and with Luis Suarez still trying to find his ideal position, given the fact that Messi's been moved to the centre, it is hard to tell how much the other players are going to be able to add. A um, little bit of an aside, Suarez has been really, really far from the player that has been excellent for us since he joined us from Liverpool. But hopefully that's only a temporary thing and uh, he comes back to f- form soon. But yeah, so I, I just think that we will have to see how it goes. We can't really make a decision now. We've got, you know, we're only, what, five games in the La Liga season. So we just have to wait and see how things pan out. But I think that obviously there is a danger that, say, Messi gets injured. Then what do we do? And say we play an ultra-defensive team who, for, for whatever reason, put up, you know, four people on top of Messi and none of our players seem to be able to break anything else. Then that could be a problem. But... You know, having Messi being the focal point of the attack is a, a worry or a difficulty, inverted commas, that anyone in any team would want to have. So I think we'll get to that bridge, to cross that bridge when it gets to it. But for now, let's just enjoy what's happening. And hopefully um, in the meantime, while Messi carries us through this under construction period, Valverde can come up with um, other solutions that complement his game. And Luis Suarez, as you had mentioned, has been hot and cold at times in his Barcelona career when Messi was dealing with those hamstring injuries um, in the last few seasons. Suarez and Neymar together both had ups and downs in their form to get Barcelona through that time. So Suarez, given some rest, given some time away, and hopefully that helps out. And then the other side, we were getting a lot of questions on should Denis Suarez be starting over De La Feu when uh, Luis Suarez is, is up to snuff? And my answer, I at this point, I think it's still no, because for Delafeu, we've seen his work rate, and it's much improved from when he was a younger player, and clearly he's hungry, and he wants to do well, and he's been very direct, clearly playing the way Valverde wants him to play, and defensively is why I've been most impressed by Delafeu. The player that Luis Enrique didn't want in his squad all those years ago is not the same one that's tracking back, getting all the way into the the, the Barcelona's penalty box to snuff out different things on the counterattack with his speed. And so I think Delefeu, if he continues to play with the work rate he has, playing with Messi and Suarez and Iniesta, goals and the finishing product should come. He is still a young player in his early 20s, and I think Delefeu, we just have to be patient. To Once he hits his goal-scoring form, like he has for youth Spanish national teams before, where we've seen him even at the U-20 World Cup where he was just banging in goals at will. Once he gets up to speed and figures out exactly how to be playing, and once he has the confidence to finish off some goals, I think we're going to be very happy with the player that Delefeu is this year as well. I agree. I think that Delefeu can be a fantastic player for us, but um, I think we can sort of lose track of the fact that he's not crossing very well. He's not finishing very well. Um, I'm not really having many shots on goal, to be honest, and he's a forward who plays for Barca, so that's something you would expect. And also, you know, when he's running on defenders, he's not always going past them. So I do agree with you totally. And I really am very pleased that, you know, he's 
much more mature. He seems to be having the team at the back of his mind the whole time. But, you know, as a Barca forward, you want to be having some sort of forward product as well. I think, go back to Pedrito, Pedro. Um, he was, you know, a hugely valuable hard worker, but in the last two, three seasons he was with us, he was just not that effective going forward. And I think that's something that Delofeo needs to ensure that um, he's added to his game as well. Just a final point about the Eibar game. I think that Valverde was really sensible to rotate slightly. And that is something that we discussed in a previous podcast. We thought that he was going to do in Getafe, but for whatever reason, he decided not to do that. And in a way, evidence proved him right once again. But, you know, rotation is a necessary part of modern football. And I think that not rotating every single player in the team at once, like, say, Luis Enrique has done in the past, was a very good option. Um, I think that he's got a better quality bench this season than he had in the previous ones. And, you know, although not every signing we've made this season is spectacular in paper, they all all add into the overall quality. So people like Dennis, obviously he started, but, you know, Dennis, Paulinho, Mascherano, who's now a sub, uh, whether we like it or not, that's that's life and that's aging for you. Sergi Roberto, you know, you could even say that Rafinha would make an appearance when he's recovered, hopefully. Alex Vidal seems to be counting a little bit more, but not enough yet. So all of these people, all of these squad players are going to be really valuable um, in the long run. It was not a spectacular game. Barca's first half was poor. Uh, they lacked purpose and, and spark and urgency. But, you know, five out of five wins in La Liga. Um, we had to watch Eibar dominate at times on the camp. No, that sort of hurt a little bit. But, you know, we're not the finished product. The team is under construction. We got 15 points out of 15. There are many other teams. In fact, every other team would have liked to be in our position by now. So let's, let's keep moving forward and um, look ahead to the future in order to excel even more. Yeah, Paco Acatera and Andre Gomez can't even get a sniff in the team. And with Andre Gomez not seemingly in Valverde's picture at all, the one question that I have in the rotations would then be, as I've praised Sergio Busquets in for his performances recently, much unheralded, when Busquets either needs a breather or is out of form, I'm really interested to see which player steps into that role for Valverde and how much confidence that player plays with and and what he does with that role. Because going back all the way to Paulinho, Paulinho was, I think, when he was signed, expected to be that defensive midfielder. But as we've seen, he's playing the same role he plays for Brazil, which is more of an attacking midfielder, box-to-box, getting forward when he has to, supporting Busquets or the traditional defensive midfielder on the other side of the field. So I'm, I'm excited to see who Valverde chooses to put in that role when it's time for Busquets to take a break. I th- yeah, I agree. I think the best choice that Valverde has so far uh, in the squad is Sergi Roberto. Sergi Roberto has been playing there for many years. He can play anywhere in that triangle. He will be a great choice. I also think Ivan Rakitic, um, he, that's pretty much where he plays for Croatia. So either Rakitic or Sergi Roberto can certainly do the job whenever Busquets is not available or he gets, as you mentioned, his very well-deserved breaks sometime. Speaking of not playing for a little while. Our next topic, Usmani Dembele. And this is a quick, short little update on Dembele. On his social media, he posted a hashtag, which just meant two months, which there's a little bit of consternation on whether or not he was referring to two months until he can start rehabbing or if he believes he can be back in two months. I think it's most likely the former. 
as then it's going to be two months until he starts rehabbing as even after the surgery that went successfully it's about three and a half months the doctors say if he's lucky he won't be able to put any weight on it for about three weeks then of course he'll have to be getting back on it walking again running again then getting up to match fitness which is a whole lot to do in a short amount of time of course there's a dream scenario where he comes on as a late substitute against Real Madrid in that matchup in late December scores off the bench scores the winner becomes a Barcelona legend everything that's where his career at Barcelona jump starts and all that but I think that's a pipe dream at this time so Dembele we're probably going to be mum on him for a while in the next few weeks and months as he starts his rehab and just gets healthy and gets prepared but I hope that Dembele and you'd expect with Umtiti and Dinia around him as he gets comfortable to Barcelona off the field without all that pressure, I think this could be a positive thing down the road if he's able to heal well, basically just get reset, get re- get acclimated to a new city, and and start his Barcelona career that way. Yeah, I think your dream's going to come true um, from the very first time that he joins. So, you know, in that respect, we definitely agree. Um, let's keep dreaming for a fantastic return for our best, most expensive, uh, but most sort of sought-after signing of the season. Um, I, I think that, obviously, I use social media quite a bit and uh, we promote the Barcelona podcast content and we always sort of share stories and different articles from different people that we want to mention. Uh, like, for example, the Barcelona football blog, for example, we share the ep- episodes and articles pretty much all the time. Um, Barca Talk, which is another Barca podcast as well. We are going to start sharing the shows as well to add value to our listeners. Um, things like... EUMD, which is En Un Momento Dado. That's for our Spanish speakers, but, you know, really, really good Barca content out there. People who are very influential on Twitter, such as Kevin, for example, um, Diane, and loads of others that, um, you know, are constantly updating on, on the club we all love. So big shout out for them for all the job that, that they are doing. Um, so back to the original point, social media, right? Um, I'm not the biggest fan of players using social media and definitely not for them to throw out contradicting messages. Now, when Messi has been injured in previous seasons or when any of our players have been injured for a long period, uh, what the Barca medical staff and their website and their sort of press services are normally doing, they tend to overestimate the recovery time. So say Dembele gets injured this time round and the website says he'll be back in a month and a half or two months, then if two months and a week go by, then everyone's going to stop asking oh, you know, why is Dembele not back? Um, there's something wrong. He's not never going to be able to play again, etc. So I think they're over-exaggerating. And he, the, the recovery time may very well be two months, but I don't think that's something that the player himself has to be tweeting or Instagramming about. Um, I would say that he needs to keep that close to his chest because we don't know how his recovery is going to be. Hopefully it all goes to plan and hopefully it is two months. But I think contradicting the the club in this in this matter is not a very clever move. Having said that, I really do hope that we don't have to worry about this anymore and that we can see, see him terrorizing rival defenders very, very soon. Well, speaking of terrorizing rival defenders or well, rival opposition, we've got another update on the vote of no confidence where Benedito tweeted that he has 10,000 signatures, which means he only needs 16,500 left but he maybe only has the match against Las Palmas, or maybe not. It's still not clear on that. And so this story from Benendito, it's not that it's going to be ongoing, Frances. It's coming to an end very shortly. And where are we with this verdict? 
Well, I don't know. I, <laughs> I really don't know what's going on because no one really does know. We, we only have the information from the people that tell us. So whether it's true or not, whether it's sort of an attempt to promote that the vote of no confidence is actually going well, I'm not quite sure. But um, Benedito tweeted the other day that um, he's got 10,000 signatures already and that, you know, it can still be done and, you know, Forza Barça and let's keep moving forward, etc. Um, he was certainly sounding more a beat than he did a week ago. He also had a couple of interviews in Catalan, in the Catalan media that I, that I listened um, to in my spare time because I love it. <laughs> I love Barca so much that I do that in my spare time. And hopefully our listeners do that too sometimes. Although, you know, they may not be able to do that in Catalan. Not all of them anyway. So, yeah, I, I don't really know what's going to happen. Um, I, what I do know is that he has not been supported by any Catalan media that, you know, is hugely influential in terms of Mundo Deportivo or Sport or even TV3, TV3, which is the national television for Catalonia. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know what's going on. The future is uncertain. And uh, I think we need to... Let's, let's get the period of the no-confidence vote finished. I do hope, as our listeners know, that he is successful because I think... I don't know if he's going to succeed in, you know, getting Bartomeu out of the presidential seat... But the, the, the shake-up is certainly needed. So let's see what happens in the next week or two. And uh, once we've got something to share for certain with our listeners, um, we definitely, definitely, certainly, we do that straight away. Well, the vote of no confidence is big news for Barcelona, but there's a much bigger vote or referendum that's affecting all of Catalonia. And somehow, Frances, we've gone all this time without mentioning this upcoming potential referendum for Catalonian independence. And so we're going to go through, and th this is going to be a little bit of a longer segment, but we're going to go through some thought experiments after some explanation from you. So first on the cover of it, Barcelona came out, and this is what kind of started the conversation with the club. They came out and said, in the face of events in recent days, and especially today, this coming out on Wednesday the 20th, in relation to the political situation in Catalonia, FC Barcelona, faithful in its historic commitment to the defense of the country, democracy, freedom of expression, and the right to decide, condemns any action that may prevent the full exercise of these rights. And what they're referring to is that the protests in Barcelona and Catalonia, the violence and the volatile nature of the situation is growing with every passing day at the government's crackdown of a separatist-led referendum on independence for the Catalonian region, which is due to be held on October the 1st. So again, this is something that is reaching its head in, in due time. But Frances, do you have anything more to add on this situation? Again, me not being from Catalonia, having never been yet to Catalonia, no, I, I look forward to going there could be major changes on the road ahead. There could be. Uh, I just want to say, before I say anything else, uh, this is not a topic that I like talking about. Um, people that have been following Barca Blog for the first 10 years of our existence as, as a you know, Barca medium, they would know that I normally steer clear of any political business because you know I think Barca are a club that play football and we need to focus on that. However... It is obvious that Barca means much more than that. It's Barca is Catalonia and Catalonia is, is feeling. And right now the feeling is not very positive. Um, so that being said, and obviously understanding that, you know, giving your political opinion is not something that is very popular in Catalonia right now because there are, I've got very close friends who certainly do not want Catalonia to be independent. And I've got a lot of, I think, more friends that actually would give you know the right leg for Catalonia to, to, to be free from Spain. So I 
basically experience both sides from a very personal, from a very day-to-day position. Um, and I'm not going to say whether you, people should vote for and against. That's not my position here. Uh, but I, what I will say is that I'm all for democracy. I think people should have the freedom of saying whatever they need to say, whenever they need to say it, within respect, you know, within the rules of society. And they can, in my in my eyes, they should be allowed to demonstrate their political opinions if they, they sort of so wish to do so. Uh, and in a way, people should be given the freedom and, and they've got the right to decide what future they want for their country, area, you can call it whatever you want. And people call it differently regarding of what side they support. So either country or region of Spain, uh, that's up to our listeners and whoever is involved to decide. But what I will say, and this is a point that I think is quite obvious, but it may be worth um, sort of raising again, the upcoming referendum on the 1st of October is illegal. It's an illegal referendum because the Spanish authorities have not given the go-ahead. So whatever happens, it's an illegal vote. And in a way, it has very little weight in terms of um, Spanish politics. It has a lot of weight in Catalan politics. But uh, what I will say, sort of being on the ground, there are people who support independence that on the 1st of October, they would do anything within the power in order to be the first and, you know, have their papeletas, so their, their vote, uh, put into the ballot and counting. But I can assure you there are a lot of people as well who will not go to vote because it's an illegal referendum. So if you're against it, you're not really going to go and say it's, you're against it because it's not legal. So obviously I think that yes, it's going to win the vote on the 1st of October, but I don't know if that's a true representation of everyone who lives in Catalonia right now. We have two quick fire listener questions, and we'll make it quick. Mile asked, says, hey, guys, it's basically a question about Mache and Umtiti and Pique saying that they're going to be up for the challenge. But with Vermelian, that's his concern. He said Marlon looks like a good alternative for a fourth defender, but he got loaned to Nice, and that turn, might turn out to be a mistake at some point in the season. What's your opinion on the depth of the center back position? Do they need a fifth defender in there? I think there is a fifth defender coming. Um, Jerry Mina from South America, Colombian centre-back, hugely tall. I think he's 194 centimetres tall. He's uh, meant to be joining us uh, next summer. But I think Barca have um, an option in order to accelerate that. So he could join us, which is probably why Marlon was loaned up to France, to Nice in particular, and for Marlon kept. Um, I really do think that we are short in that position without a doubt. But that could be the solution that, that is in the horizon. That answers it for me. Second question from Padilla uh, Maya on Twitter. Should Denise start over Delafeu? Also, can we continue this form for the rest of the season or will we be burnt out? We kind of answered that already. But I guess a simple question, should Denise start over Delafeu? I answered it. But what about you, Frances? I, I think that right now, because of Dembele's absence, the more like-for-like replacement is Delafeu. So for me, Delafeu starts and you know, Dennis can start in the other side if needed. But if I had to choose between the two, for me, it's Deo Lufeo right now, um, given the fact that he's more of a pure winger, which I think is what the team needs the most. But as we mentioned earlier today and in a previous podcast, I think they both have a very important role to play this season. So there you have it. Those are our listener 
question and answers. And if you want your question asked, and as you've noticed throughout the show, even if it's not in a question, it's a question we're already asking. We are looking at your feedback. We love your feedback. Keep asking those questions on the site or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook and everywhere else that you'd like to go and listen to the podcast. Also, most importantly, Francesca and I both want to ask you, please share the show with friends. Let them know either iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can also even go on our websites, whether it's on barcelblog.com or there's the barcelonapodcast.com that's dedicated to the podcast. So anywhere you want to listen to the show, send your friends, send your family, and get us talking about it and help us build this Barcelona podcast community. And so we'll wrap it up from myself and Frances. Thanks for listening again to the Barcelona podcast, bringing you the hottest breaking stories from the Camp No. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon in Forza Barca. Forza Barca, and don't forget to share the show. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.